at least once a year, I like to bring in some of my Margot's famous chili. The trick is to undercook the onions. Everybody's going to get to know each other in the pot. I'm serious about this stuff. I'm up the night before, pressing garlic and dicing whole tomatoes. I toast my own ancho chilies. It's a recipe passed down from chattings for generations. It's probably the thing I do best. chatting tonight. As you just heard, we spare no expense when it comes to providing you top quality openers. And by no expense, I mean no budget whatsoever. For tonight's episode, we are going to break down why nearly everyone in the office is just the worst. So grab yourself some figs or a slice of Zah from Alfredo's Pizza Cafe and let's get into it. So welcome to Everyone in the Office is the Worst. And before we really start, let me just say this episode took forever to make. Not only because I have this really sick need to be thorough, but also because I actually like The Office, so I wanted to do this some sort of justice, street justice. Anyway, so I watched the whole fucking series all over again, all nine seasons. And some seasons, most seasons, have well over 20 fucking episodes each. So, and then I took notes, copious notes. I also found this employee performance review, so I printed that out just to fill out, you know, just for shits and giggles. But like once I printed out the sheets, I thought it might actually be productive to kind of take it from that corporate perspective. So I've excluded Jan, David Wallace, Charles Minor, Joe, Robert California, Gabe, and Holly. I did do Toby. That's what she said reluctantly. I also excluded the warehouse guys, the IT guys, you know, glasses, turban, ear hair, fatty three, shorts, fatty two, lozenge, and fatso, and the interns, and Hank, and some of the other minor characters and the guest stars. And I also tried to leave out personal stuff, you know, like weddings, etc, etc. And it's still pretty long. Again, that's what she said. So I asked Michael if he had any kind of idea on how I could make this shorter and maybe a little bit more palatable for you guys. And here's what he came up with. Wow, this is tough. What? Oh. Arg. What is it? Well... Mm-hmm. Hope you wrote that down. I did. And speaking of Michael, 
We're going to start with him, not only because the series basically starts with him, but he also garnered the largest amount of derogatory notes, four pages front and back, making him one of the best of the worst. Without further ado, the man who has ruined all other men for you, Michael Scott's review. In the interest of time, because we have so many characters to get through, and because I care about you guys so much that I don't want to torture you with my voice for hours upon hours, I think we should take a pretty straightforward approach to this. So, I'm going to give you guys some worst context from Dunderpedia, um, and I'll put the link to Dunderpedia in the description, then we'll go through my notes. And then we'll do the performance review. So, per Dunderpedia, Michael started at Dunder Mifflin in the 90s. In his interactions with other characters, Michael is shallow, callous, ignorant, and unaware of basic social norms. He tends to overestimate his own importance in the eyes of his co-workers. He is quick to take offense when wronged, and his response is often disproportionate. He expresses disdain towards those who challenge his authority. He throws immature, spiteful tantrums. And apart from his masterful salesmanship, he is lacking in almost any other skills, management or otherwise. Let's take a look at some of these interactions. In the very first episode, he talks about Pam's looks, tossed the facts agenda that Jan sent, and then tried to blame it on Pam. Thinks Dwight Stapler and Jello is funny. Fake fires Pam and makes her cry. He interrupts the Diversity Day speaker, who, by the way, had to come because of his Chris Rock skit. And that is a real tongue twister. Try it. Says the word Mexican has certain connotations. Says colored greens instead of colored greens. Pretty much every Dundee category. Talked about Stanley's eighth grade daughter being hot. Wanted Pam to make out with a blow-up doll. Talked about getting a boner around Phyllis. And then talked about taking a bath with Pam. Suggested that Kelly should change out of her Dorothy costume and dress like, bend it like Beckham. He had Pam, Angela, Toby, and Stanley fill out his paperwork for him. Made an assumption that the IT guy was a terrorist. Dare I even mention what an asshole Mike is at his improv classes? He got pissed about the oven mitt that Phyllis knitted for him for Christmas. His behavior the entirety of the booze cruise. He was rude to Billy Merchant, property manager of the office park. And I actually agree with Jim about like clamping his face in the foreman grill. <laughs> it's like something totally I would say. He held the door closed so Kevin couldn't get out of his office when Packer took a dump in it. He punched Creed in the arm for no reason. Stuck post-it notes on Phyllis's face. He was using the lift and basically, like, destroyed the whole warehouse. Told his colleagues that he slept with Jan. Has Ryan run his personal errands. Called Oscar the F-word, and I don't mean fuck. Had Dwight look up gay porn in the office said unbutton that top button and let those puppies breathe to pam movie monday 
asked Karen Filippelli if her dad was a GI. The whole of the integration celebration was playing the steel drums in the office. Sent the topless pick of Jan around. Harvey, the computer. Bobes. Planning Oscar's Mexicanity party. Hired stripper to come to the warehouse for Bob Vance Advances refrigeration bachelor party. Shitted around that morning with the Houdini trick. Show Daryl his paycheck. Kicked the ladder out from Daryl, causing him to break his ankle. On safety training day, he spent half the day fucking around with that bouncy castle while the rest of the office gambled. He insulted Phyllis when she got flashed. He then acted like a flasher with a finger penis. Took the ladies to the mall during office hours. Hit Meredith with his car. Asked everyone their religion. Kidnapped the pizza delivery kid. He went to go pull a panty raid in Utica. He left work to get dropped off in the woods because he was jealous of Toby's camping trip with Ryan. Said Oscar Meyer Wiener lover. Three words. Blind Guy McSqueezy. Two words. Michael Klump. One word. Ping. One more word. Toby. And if I had a gun with two bullets and I was in a room with Hitler, Bin Laden, and Toby, I would shoot Toby twice. Uh, okay. You were All right. really funny and then you went too far. I would kill Bin Laden and then Toby. No, it's still... You know, the worst part about that quote, besides the sound quality, is that that's not even the meanest thing that he said to Toby. Okay, we're almost done here with the the notes, so let's keep going. He left work to see Donna's husband when he was the mistress, spanked his nephew and had to receive mandatory counseling, wasted a whole entire day trying to tell his exes that he might have herpes. He poo-pooed Daryl's idea for having delivery drivers make sales and then flipped the fuck out when Daryl went to corporate, pitched it, and they liked it. He canceled the Christmas party during the fucking Christmas party to save it for Holly's return. And speaking of Holly, the PDA. Pretty sure pulling someone's shirt out of their skirt for a massage during work hours is a big no-no. I mean, it's a Big no-no for my eyes. Lit a million candles and caused the sprinklers to go off when he was proposing to Holly. I mean, forget him pouring gasoline out in the parking lot, right? So, here's the worst part of this. I literally left shit out. I mean, if I worked with Michael, I would have either had to have quit or I would have stayed just to document everything for a big, fat fucking lawsuit. And we are on to his employee performance review sheet. Now, these are just a standard printable. They have a list of applicable business terms slash skills, along with ratings. And they're just boxes you can check. Excellent, good, fair, and poor. So let's get into it. Job knowledge, excellent. Productivity, fair. Work quality, fair. Technical skills, poor. Work consistency, poor. Enthusiasm, fair. Cooperation, poor. Attitude, fair. Initiative, poor. Work relations, poor. Creativity, fair. 
Punctuality, fair. Attendance, fair. Dependability, poor. Communication skills, poor. With an overall rating of poor, making him one of the worst of the worst. And in opportunities for development, I would have written, thank God he quit and moved to Colorado, or I would have fired his ass. I am aware that most people think of Jim Halpert as the protagonist, the sort of leading man of the series. And even Dunderpedia writes that he serves as the intelligent, mild-mannered, straight role to Michael, although it is also defined by rivalrous pranking on fellow salesman Dwight. His trope was that this was just a temporary job, and this outlook is most apparent in the elaborate pranks that he plays, as well as his sarcastic remarks and facial expressions to the film crew and his provoking comments during the often ridiculous employee meetings. And maybe that's my problem with Jim, is that he is intelligent. I mean, you see, like, Michael was an idiot, and so he may not be aware of what he's saying. And Dwight kind of has a little bit of an excuse because the majority of the time, Dwight is irritating because that is just his personality. It's not particularly intentional, you know? It just is. Jim, on the other hand, is practically malevolent, making him the second worst character. He is the deuce I want to drop. I have lots of notes on Jim, so let's just get into it. On the very first episode, he puts Dwight Stapler in Jello, but we know it's not the first time that he did it because Dwight says it's the third time. He convinced Dwight to buy a purse. He pranked him all throughout the Alliance episode. He sends out fake resumes after being punched during season two, episode five's Halloween episode. He put Dwight's desk in the bathroom. He got off the phone with the client just to ask Dwight about his martial arts training and then took Dwight's purple belt. He popped Dwight's exercise ball. He only invited Dwight to his party as kind of an elephant man thing. That's off topic, but I just thought it was important to talk about. He put Dwight's desk stuff in the vending machine. He tried to sabotage Dwight's award speech with speeches from tyrants. He changed Dwight's ID to a security threat and his middle name to Fard. And here I think is a good time to insert just a clip from the conflict resolution episode to see exactly what we're dealing with. Pens and pencils with crayons. I suspect Jim Halbert. Everyone has called me Dwayne all day. I think Jim Halpert paid them to. <laughs> yes. Five bucks each, and it was totally worth it. This morning, I found a bloody glove in my desk drawer, and Jim Halpert tried to convince me I committed murder. I think he may be the real murderer. Jim Halpert said there was an abandoned infant in the woman's room. When I went to save the child, I saw Meredith on the can. Yeah. This morning, I knocked myself in the head with the phone. That actually took a while. I had to put uh, more and more nickels into his handset until I got used to the weight. And 
then I just took them all out. Every time I typed my name, it said diapers. Just a simple macro. You know, these actually don't sound that funny one after another. But he does deserve it, though. By the end of the day, my desk was about two feet closer to the copier. Yeah, I just moved it an inch every time I went to the bathroom. And that's how I spent my entire day that day. Maybe it sounds bad because it is bad. Anyway, he was watching wedding band videos at work. He put Andy's calculator in jello. He plays video games at work. He faxes Dwight from the future when he's working at Stanford. I mean, he doesn't even work with them anymore. What the fuck? He went along with Pam's Christmas prank, you know, the CIA letters, and had him wait on the roof and destroy his phone. He takes Andy's phone because Andy was annoying with the singing, and then he put the phone in the ceiling, which caused Andy to freak out. He Pavlov dogged Dwight with Altoids, quote, for a couple of weeks, end quote. What the fuck, man? He messed with Dwight about being bit by a bat. He hid the brass key under his shoe when Michael was doing that uh, fucking Houdini trick. He dressed up as Dwight to make fun of him. He sent Dwight messages from the Dunder Mifflin website at the launch of it. He played ping pong all day. He transferred all of Dwight's telephone numbers to himself. He was hanging out talking to Pam via computer at work. He spent the whole entire day watching Dwight to catch him not working. He pranked Dwight with a gift-wrapped empty boxes to look like his desk. He pranks Dwight with the red wire coming from his computer. He took the afternoon off with Pam, Phyllis, and Bob Vance on Valentine's Day. He wore the tux to work to mess with Dwight about the dress code memo that he sent out. He messed with Andy over some shit advice. He adopted the same shitty attitude everybody else had regarding sales after the merger. Fell asleep at work. He put extra keys on Dwight's key ring so that his pants would fall down by Christmas. When he reached his commission cap, he spent the rest of the day shitting around and then pranked Gabe with Joe's voice via the computer, you know, to have him edit her book. When Dwight said the snow was a dusting, he went out, made a snowball, and then threw it in Dwight's face. He broke the window at the office with a snowball. He got drunk on Valentine's Day at lunch and then spent the afternoon looking for places to have sex with Pam. He defaced a pic of his own daughter to set Dwight up to get his bonus. He lied about being at jury duty when he was at home. He used his own cell phone instead of the arrowhead at the Sabre store opening, which is like a minor infarction, but still bad form. He paid for a class to learn Morse code with Pam just to talk about Dwight behind his back, but to his face. He figures out a way to waste a day of work and prank Dwight with the AARM episode. He bought fabric to make a tearaway suit with Velcro to pull off Dwight in the parking lot in front of everyone. He messed with Dwight when he thought the new guys wanted his job. He secretly joined his friend's company in Philly. Now, I'm not going to talk about Philly Jim, but I think Philly Jim is who Jim 
actually is. He had his Asian actor friend come in to play him just to mess with Dwight. He pranked Dwight with that uh, radio Iris Black interview. He actually thought that he could talk Wallace into letting him work part-time and get paid the same as being full-time. I mean, imagine the fucking audacity of that. And then there's the Dunder Code, where he stayed late every day for a month just to set up a prank for Dwight. I mean, what a fucking sicko, man. I don't know, guys. I really do find it disturbing. And also that, like, fuck enormous waste of company time. No, I just can't. Um, to paraphrase Michael, now I'm in a bad mood. Well, let's use performance review. Job knowledge, excellent. Productivity, good. Work quality, good. Technical skills, excellent. Work consistency, fair. Enthusiasm, fair. Cooperation, fair. Attitude, poor. Initiative, fair. Work relations, good. Creativity, poor. Punctuality, good. Attendance, good. Dependability, good. Communication skills, good. But I gave him an overall rating of fair. Just because I added the fares and pours up, whatever. I got my own system. You don't need to know. And for opportunities for development, let me just say this. I would have let him go way before the Philly thing. Otherwise, that would have been a great time to say bye. But take heart, take heart, all you Jimbo fans, because I also find Pam to be one of the very worst, too. Well, 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 if it isn't old Pam Beasley Halpert, the PB to Jim's J. Now, Pam began working as the receptionist, and then she was a saleswoman, and then she was the office administrator. And she started off in the series, like, pretty meek and passive, and eventually grew to be slightly more assertive, little snotty and expressive which some of that is a good thing but like what makes Pam for me one of the worst is that she's a follower and even though she does eventually get a bit bolder at heart she's still a follower and like a little bit of a sheep and that's really hard for me to respect and I think it shows up in her job and her relationships. And I think you'll see what I'm talking about in my notes and the overlap between her and Jim. One of the first things is is that you see her playing solitaire at work. And then she went along with Jim and pranked Dwight during the Alliance episode. And then on the season two, episode five, Halloween episode, she collaborates with Jim to send out Dwight's resume after Dwight punched Jim. She went along with Jim at the prank of putting Dwight's stuff in the vending machine. She watched wedding band videos at work with Jim. She tried on clothes at work. She sent Dwight letters from the CIA for months to prank him for Jim's Christmas present. 
She went along with Jim regarding taking Andy's phone and putting it in the ceiling. She took Michael's screenplay, Threat Level Midnight, out of his drawer, and everyone wasted an entire afternoon reading slash acting that. She drew the flasher sketch to look like Dwight. She downloaded Virus when she was trying to look at a celebrity sex tape. Once again, went along with Jim to mess with Dwight at the launch of the Dunder Mifflin Infinity website. Watched ping pong all day with Kelly while Daryl and Jim played. Bought those teeny tiny little Bluetooths so that she and Jim could piss away the day talking to each other. Took that long lunch with Jim, Phyllis, and Bob Vance. Although the punishment of hearing Phyllis and Bob having sex is a delicious one. <sighs> the inappropriate reaction at work to Michael dating her mom. Had Kevin mess with the elevator buttons so that she could mess with Dwight. She has the lowest sales. She made up the office administrator job. Got drunk at lunch on Valentine's Day and then spent the afternoon blah 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 with Jim. Took the Morse code class with Jim. She faked going into labor so often that she literally taped a water bottle between her legs to fake her water breaking. I mean, Jesus Christ. Let Meredith get blamed for the lice infestation. And if all that shit wasn't dull enough, her employee performance review is practically the same as Jim's. I, I mean, Okay. Job knowledge, excellent. Productivity, fair. Work quality, good. Technical skills, excellent. Work consistency, fair. Enthusiasm, fair. Cooperation, fair. Attitude, fair. Initiative, poor. Work relations, good. Creativity, excellent. Punctuality and attendance, good, good. Dependability, good. Communication skills, fair. An overall rating of fair. I know we're shocked, right? I mean, I, I, who would have thunk it? And I don't know. I don't know what it is, guys. But I find her so blah and boring. And it just makes it the worst because it's so unforgivable. It wouldn't be a desk clump or a mega desk without Dwight Schrute. So he was a salesman at Dunder Mifflin, and he also held the title of assistant to the regional manager, which he always said he was assistant regional manager to make it seem like he was more than he is. And Dunderpedia reads that Dwight craves authority over his coworkers and relishes any minor tasks that Michael or anyone else gives him. Although Dwight acts superior to many individuals, he is actually quite gullible, ignorant, and naive. He uses one-upmanship with his peers. And he has like a million annoying peccadilloes that only a matter could love. Shockingly, I had less notes about Dwight than I did Michael or Jim, but the ones that I have... Whoo-wee! There are some doozies. In one of the first episodes, he's shredding paper at his desk, and Jim turns off the power strip, and Dwight hangs up the phone on Jim while he's talking to a client, which is 
really uncool. He stole a customer from Jim. He punches Jim during that Halloween episode, which we've talked about. He was calling the radio station at work. Hello? Rock 107.1, am I the 107th caller? Like a million times. He was throwing a football in the office and he tackled Ryan and he tackled Creed for the love of God. After finding half a joint outside, he comes in in his volunteer sheriff's outfit to figure out who it was and wasted like a whole day doing that. He's got weapons hidden all over the office. He looked at gay porn because Mike asked him to, then lunged at Oscar when Angela freaked out when Oscar walked by. He went behind Michael's back to try and get his job. He threw that garbage bag on Meredith's, Meredith's head to try and catch the bat. He sprayed Andy with pepper spray for no fucking reason. He sent out that memo telling women how to dress. He helped Michael facilitate a kidnapping of the pizza delivery kit. Took personal calls at work regarding Shroot Farms. He failed to disclose his relationship with Angela to HR. He had sex at work many, many times. He facilitated Michael in that panty raid to Utica. He stayed in the woods to check on Michael when Michael blew off the day to go to the woods because he was jealous. He played ping pong at work uh, after Jim said it was to get a client. He told Holly that Kevin was developmentally delayed. He dumped Phyllis five miles away with no money or phone to walk back to the office. Comes up with the idea to frame Toby for drugs. Starts a fire in the office for safety training and Stanley has a fucking heart attack. He went through the personnel files. Parkour. Tried to spy on Jim to take him down. He had the employee of the month plan in order to screw over Jim and called David Wallace as Stanley, Kevin, and Toby. And even though those were really good impressions, totally not cool. He tried the old cats in the cradle guilt trip with Jim so that he could get back Megadesk. That attitude that like pretty much all the salespeople had after the Saber merger. He hammered out the sex contract, called Andy's clients from the Scranton Mall, cursed them out and dropped them, shot the gun in the office, the poison dart in the treasure box. He totally insulted Jim when Jim was just trying to help him not get fired. He shoots Stanley with three tranquilizer darts, wraps him in bubble wrap, and then drags him to a sale. And if that shit's not bad enough, he brought all of his weirdo friends to interview for that junior salesman job. How do you rate Dwight? Like, with some sort of Germanic sliding beat scale? I don't know, but we're gonna try. Job knowledge, excellent. Productivity, good. Work quality, excellent. Tech skills, good. Work consistency, excellent. Enthusiasm, excellent. Cooperation, good. Attitude, fair. Initiative, good. Work relations, poor. Creativity, fair. Punctuality and attendance, both are excellent. 
dependability, good. And he's got an overall rating of good. But even with a good rating, Dwight is one of the worst at times. I mean, for the mustard shirt alone. And the fact that, like, Rain Wilson is kind of a dink in real life. <laughs> you know, I could very easily just say this person's name and then end the segment because he is absolutely one of the worst characters in The Office. We're 10 seconds in and you probably already know that I'm talking about Todd F. Packer. And yes, his middle initial really is but for the sake of being comprehensive, we'll do a quick rundown because actually not much is known about Todd Packer, you know, even in Dunderpedia, uh, mostly because he's a minor character, pops in and out. So he was hired in 1988 and is probably one of Michael's only friends and vice versa. He gets fired in Tallahassee after taking the VP position and after 20 years at the company. And it couldn't have happened to a shittier fella. So let's see why he's one of the worst. He called Michael a big queer, called Jan Godzillary and inquired whether the curtains matches the drapes. In addition to all the other sexually harassing sexual innuendos that he throws out towards everybody any time he's on screen. He says, what's up, Halbert? Still queer. And I could say queer a hundred more times, but I won't because you get the gist. He took a shit in Michael's office and I'm still not even sure how he got in. Like, why would a traveling salesman have a key not only to the building, but to the office for Dunder Mifflin when Dwight got in trouble for having a key? I could never really figure that part out. The whole entire episode of Todd Packer, I mean, you know, the one where he says that his daughter acts like a bitch sometimes. The alluding to having a nine-inch cock and the W-L-H-U-N-G license plate you can't see, but I'm, like, totally rolling my eyes. He was going to try and sleep with Nellie to get the VP position in Florida. And after he got fired, he came back to Scranton with cupcakes that were drugged. Like, you were either going to trip out or you were going to shit yourself or both. And then he drove to Philly to pull the same prank on Jim and Daryl. Now, you guys know I love a good beef, but that's like some next-level petty that even I can't subscribe to. On to his employee performance review. Now, I did have to give him some good marks because he was with the company for 20 years, so he must have been doing something right. So for job knowledge, I gave him excellent. Productivity, good. Work quality, good. Technical skills, I gave him a fair. Work consistency, good. Enthusiasm, poor. Cooperation, poor. Attitude, poor. Initiative, poor. I mean, if you're just a salesman for 20 years, you ain't trying, baby. Work relations, poor. Creativity, poor. Punctuality, fair. Attendance, good. Dependability, good. Communication skills, poor. With an overall rating of poor. And in Opportunities for Development, I wrote, What has two thumbs and hates Todd Packer? This girl. Packer can go to hell. Since we're on the topic of hell, let's just suffer through a couple minutes of commercials, and we'll be right back, guys. And bye. Bye. <laughs> 
When you need to stay cool, you can count on Bob Vance and the team at Vance Refrigeration. For over 40 years, Bob Vance and Vance Refrigeration have been proudly serving the refrigeration needs of the greater Scranton area. At Vance Refrigeration, Bob Vance's factory-trained technicians are ready to service all residential and commercial refrigeration systems, and every product or service comes with Bob Vance's one-year no-worry guarantee. Bob Vance and Vance Refrigeration, they'll get the job done. That's a promise. Hello, babies. We are back. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I've... I felt so fucking cool that I found that Vance refrigeration ad. I'm not even going to lie. I was like, what a delicious coup because you know I love a fake commercial. Okay. Anyway. Sorry, I was patting myself on the back for that one for just a second. Apologies. All right. Speaking of Bob Vance, let's talk a little bit about Phyllis Vance, especially since she likes to talk so much about other people. So Phyllis had a relatively quiet and eventful first two seasons. She seemed like she was like shy, but also like witty when she was insulting Michael. And it wasn't until like the end of season two that you really started to see Phyllis's passive aggressive nature. And to me, passive-aggressive is one of the most infuriating personality traits that anyone could have. It's probably because I grew up with somebody who is passive-aggressive, and I just have, like, zero tolerance for it, you know? Just say what the fuck you're gonna say, seriously. Ugh. Anyway, it's probably why I think Phyllis is one of the worst, but I mean, factually, she literally is one of the worst. Um, and it's not really until season three that you s see her god-awful personality start to shine. But before we get into it, let's take a listen to just a little bit of Phyllis and her passive-aggressive way of talking. By the way, it's great that you're dating, but when a new client calls, you just have to randomly assign them to a salesperson. You can't base who gets new clients on who you're sleeping with that week. Okay? Okay. 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 Let's take a look at some of my notes before we get to her employee performance review sheet. Um, she cries at work, per Stanley. She constantly takes Angela's parking spot and then says she keeps forgetting. She hissed, I don't like you, to Angela in front of Michael. She sits and knits at her desk. She admits that the sales team is only kinda handling the addition of Dwight's clients after he quits. And that was between six people, which kinda makes everybody look bad. She only asked Michael to be in her wedding party so she could get six weeks off for her honeymoon. And I know I said I wasn't going to do personal crap, but whatever. So she stole all of Pam and Roy's wedding ideas. Um, she took a long lunch with Bob Vance, Jim, and Pam, and then bragged that Michael was intimidated by Bob. She threw everyone on the party planning committee under the bus. Um, here's a good one. When she said to Pam... Close your mouth, sweetie. You look like a trout. 
And then later said, you don't give my clients away to a secretary. No offense, Jim. She got drunk at lunch after Michael went to New York, lightly threatened Jim with Bob Vance to continue to play Santa at that one Christmas party. She acts like an even bigger bitch after the merger. Remember this? And if it's not bad enough to call your boss numbnuts right to his face, she then says, I mean, I don't know about this. I think we should hold our ground. The company's changed, and if they don't like it, they can leave. I mean, a lot of their work can be done from India. I mean, fuck me, right? Like, what a way to talk about your coworkers when you are the ones treating them like shit. And then later on in the season, she says, I love to go to bars with Bob. I tend to wear something low cut, get men to flirt with me, and Bob beats them up. What? And then if that's not bad enough, there's that crazy masturbatory rocking in her chair when she's listening to Fifty Shades of Grey scene. You can't unsee things. I don't know how you top that with the employee performance review, but we're going to give it a shot. So for job knowledge, I did give her an excellent productivity. Good work quality. Good technical skills. Poor work consistency. Good enthusiasm. Poor cooperation. Fair attitude. Poor initiative. Poor. I mean, we never heard about her winning salesman person of the month slash year. So for work relations, I gave her a fair creativity. Poor. We all saw the oven mitt. For punctuality, she got fair attendance. Fair dependability. Fair communication skills. Poor. And overall, she rated a fair. And in opportunities for development, I wrote fired. I mean, a lot of sales can be done from India. Bloop. What's Bob Vance without Phyllis? And what's Phyllis without Stanley? No, it's not a joke. It's Stanley Hudson. Now, not much is written about Stanley. Uh, it does say that he was hired in 1989 and apparently was Dunder Mifflin's first urban hire. But I really think that Stanley speaks for himself when it comes to being the worst. Let's take a look and a listen. So he yells at Ryan for flirting with his daughter, even though that's not even what happened. He does crossword puzzles and Sudoku at work. He whipped that ball at Michael during the grief counseling meeting because he didn't want to participate. He refused to do a lick of work until his bonus check was fixed, and that was only for a hundred bucks. He falls asleep at his desk every day at two o'clock. He again never wants to participate and more puzzles put your little game down and, and join the group no stanley we're doing having a little Leave brain, me alone, damn we're it. having a brainstorm session did i stutter mm, no did i because it's a constant the insubordination the non-participation the puzzles 
At a certain point, it's a pattern of behavior, not a fucking stutter. Anywho, he just leaves work. When Michael went to the job fair, he told Michael to kill himself. He smashed up Michael's car when, well, when Michael busted out his affair. He was drinking and listening to music during work when he was in Tallahassee. But as I said earlier, nobody makes a better case for Stanley being the worst than Stanley himself. So let's hear one more Stanley rant before we do his performance review. You know, just for context. You're firing me over three words. Have you lost your mind? Do you think I'm gonna let you do this to me? I've watched you screw up this office for 10 years, and I'm filing a lawsuit, and I'm gonna tell them about every stupid thing you've ever done up in this office. All right, all right, okay. You know what? Now you know how I feel. This was a fake firing. Lesson learned. Good work, everybody. Very nice. So I'm not fired. That's it. And, uh, do you have anything to say to me? Oh, yes, I do. You are out of your damn little pea-sized mind. What is wrong with you? Do you have any sense at all? Do you have any idea how to run an office? Yes. Every day you do something stupider than you did the day before. And I think okay. there's no possible right. way right. he can All top right. that. Okay. But what do you do? You find a way, damn it, to top it. You are a professional idiot. Hey, stop it! Now, even though I think that everybody that I'm doing is the worst, I am trying to be fair when filling out these performance reviews. So for job knowledge, we got good. Productivity, fair. Work quality, good. Technical skills, fair. Work consistency, fair. Enthusiasm, poor. Cooperation, poor. Attitude, PP, piss poor. Initiative, poor. Work relations, poor. Creativity, poor. Punctuality, good. I mean, he did leave every day right at five. Attendance, good. Dependability, fair. Communication skills, poor. With an overall rating of poor. It's a good thing Stanley retired when he did. That way he can focus on his red wine, his puzzles, and Loggins and Messina. Did I say Messina? Much like Packer, no list of the worst of the office would be complete without Ryan Howard. And I pretty much could leave it right there and you would know exactly what I was talking about. And Dunderpedia really nails Ryan. That's what she said. Um, and I'll just do like a brief thing because we can just get into it like that. So Ryan started as a temp and then he was the receptionist and then on to being a salesman, which he sucked at. He was then promoted to become the youngest vice president of sales. Ryan was then convicted of fraud for misleading the shareholders of Dunder Mifflin and arrested. And as the series progresses, he begins to display a great deal of contempt for both his co-workers and his job. He adds people to the list of people who will be sorry when he's back on top. Now, shockingly, after all that, Ryan has just a few more flaws, like 
mm, setting the fire with the cheesy pita. And even though that was an accident, it still was irresponsible. And I think they could have come up with a better nickname than Fire Guy. He took Michael to his business school and dissed under Mifflin management and Michael. And because of the way he treats Kelly, they constantly fight and make out at work. And then he dumped Kelly when he got his corporate job. He's smug. He had a coke problem. He doesn't really know who he is. He changes his appearances and beliefs like a lot, like a lot, a lot, like a weirdo sociopathic chameleon type way. He tries to manipulate everyone. He created WUHP and then used office time to try and get investors and promote it. And speaking of that, he manipulates Michael throughout the series, but he manipulates him because he knows that Michael's dying to be his friend. Here's an example. So we got our first offer to buy the company. You're kidding. We could sell, but why think so small? We can just get a couple more people involved. Really do this thing our way. You and me, baby. New investors are key, though. That's actually why I came in today. Don't you work her full time? <laughs> today, I was thinking I would sit down with a few of the people who haven't invested yet. Mm -hmm. Or we can do that together, if that sounds fun to you. That does sound fun to me. Awesome. My favorite part of that quote is the little <laughs> that he did. I hope you heard that. That he did after Michael said... Don't you work here full time? I mean, that just is like, that's, it's everything. That's that, that noise could just encompass who Ryan is. So let's quickly finish up, shall we? He flaked on Andy's seminar and he flakes at the Sabre store opening and took off to be with his mom. And I could totally flake on his performance review because I think you know that it's pretty much going to be all peas for poor, but let's go through it quickly and move on job knowledge i wrote poor because what does he even do if we don't know does he productivity poor work quality poor technical skills i wrote excellent or consistency poor enthusiasm poor cooperation poor attitude poor initiative poor work relations poor creativity he got a good it just isn't good when it comes to work punctuality poor attendance poor dependability poor and i do think he has good communication skills with an overall rating of poor but he does get high marks for being one of the worst of the worst congratulations it's like a dundee made of shit this I'll tell you, brother, you can't have one without the other. I am, of course, speaking of Kelly Kapoor. Now, she was the customer service representative before she left for Miami, Ohio, thinking it was Miami, Florida. And while she appears mostly in the background throughout the whole entire series, she's still the worst. And let's examine some of the reasons why. I talk a lot, so I've learned to just tune myself out. Oh my god, that's literally the first thing I have written down. Incessant talking. 
Okay, so she spent all day Valentine's Day in the break room talking about Ryan. Then she tells Stanley that Ryan is flirting with his daughter during the Take Your Daughter to Work Day episode. I mean, she's jealous of like a 12-year-old. Okay. Constantly crying at work over Ryan. The making out and fighting with Ryan. Again, a lot. A lot, a lot. Spent the day watching Daryl and Jim playing ping pong with Pam. She forged those customer service surveys for Dwight and Jim because she was pissed that they didn't come to her party. She spent at least two days doing nothing but mooning over Charles Minor. Screamed, I'm dying, out at a meeting. And basically, she does nothing. She may as well have taken up smoking. Like, now I feel like I'm incessantly talking. So let's do her performance review real quick. Like, for job knowledge, good. Productivity, poor. Work quality, good. Technical skills, fair. Work consistency, fair. Enthusiasm, good. Cooperation, fair. Attitude, fair. Initiative, poor. Work relations, good. Creativity, poor. I didn't never really seen her do anything. Punctuality, fair. Attendance, fair. Dependability, poor. Communication skills, good. And overall, she got a poor because simply there is no way I could work with a drama queen that talked that much. It, one of us would be dead. That's for sure. I'm dying! Rounding out the annex, we have Toby Flenderson our human resources representative, and one of the worst ones at that. And while Toby comes across as mild-mannered and soft-spoken, he's also completely ineffectual. And he's actually a very easy employee to critique because nearly everything he does is a goddamn fail. So here we are. Here's my notes. He failed to report numerous examples of sexual harassment, violence, and bullying. He reported none of the co-workers' uh, complaints to corporate. He actually outed Oscar to Michael Scott and then consequently the whole office. He failed to control Michael at the orientation uh, merger meeting at Stanford and Scranton. He let Michael exclude him from Beach Day. He failed to stop Michael from asking people their religion. He does nothing after Dwight and Michael Scott try and frame him for drugs. He fails to stop Michael uh, and his intervention of Meredith. He does nothing during the duel episode. He encouraged Pam to hit Michael, but not on company property. What? He failed to act when Dwight was acting manager and fired a gun in the office. He was using company time to write a novel, that weird long-standing crush on Pam. And he wanted to kiss himself when Nellie was dressed as sexy Toby. So, let's do Toby's performance review, shall we? For job knowledge, fair. Productivity, poor. Work quality, poor. Technical skills, poor. Work consistency, fair. If you are consistently bad at it. Enthusiasm, fair. Cooperation, good. Attitude, fair. Initiative, poor. Work relations, poor. Creativity, poor. Punctuality, fair. 
attendance, fair, dependability, poor, communication skills, poor, with an overall rating of poor. Bye-bye, Toby. Okay, check out this Toby tie-in. <gasps> it's Princess Unicorn! Wow! She's Princess Unicorn, royalty with a horn, wearing the prettiest gowns ever worn. She's so elegant, so regal. Okay, can you not? I mean, oh my god, it's so good. Just in time for the holidays. All right, we have no time to dilly or dally. Let's go. Let's make our way over to the accounting department and avert your eyes from the babies playing jazz. And let's go right to Kevin Malone. Even though Kevin is kind of a minor character, and most people find him affable, if not a doofus, I find Kevin creepy and leery and just gross. So let's get into it so that I can wash my hands and my mouth. He called Pam's mom a MILF, and in season two, episode nine, email surveillance, even though Michael was wrong about the IT guy, Kevin still couldn't follow those simple instructions regarding hiding and not talking, which would have infuriated me if I was as big of an idiot as Michael, but you get my gist. He was worried about Abby, his ex's Stacy's kid, finding something on his computer. He made sexually suggestive remarks to Angela, relapsed on his gambling, played ping pong at work with Jim. He sexually harassed Pam when she was wearing her glasses, used the wrong year on a spreadsheet, he thinks Michael is super funny. Couldn't figure out the phones. Again, he talked about Pam's boobs. There was that inappropriate giggling and like the finger doing it motion. He then baby cries into Pam's boobs to try and get them to leak. I mean, what the fuck is that? Like, is that what's on his computer that he's so worried about? Like, pregnancy fetish stuff? I, I don't know. Um... Four words. C is for suspension. He blew literal chunks during Andy's seminar. Talked about office PDA making him horny. He bought that paper airplane off of Craigslist for the paper airplane contest and then couldn't figure out how to fold one himself. And finally, Kilevin to fix all of his accounting errors. A mistake plus 11 gets you home by 7. He was home before 4.45 that day. But before we send him home, let's do a quick performance review. Job knowledge, fair. Productivity, poor. Work quality, poor. For technical skills, I put good, uh, considering he spends so much time on his computer. Work consistency, poor. Enthusiasm, excellent. Cooperation, excellent. Attitude, good. Initiative, poor. Work relations, fair. Creativity, poor. I mean, or do we give him a good because of Kalevin? I mean, that's pretty creative. 
Punctuality, good. Attendance, good. Dependability, good. Communication skills, poor. And overall, he got a fair. And I have to tell you, if Dwight didn't fire him, I would have. And our next and most thickly frosted cake is for Kevin. Yes. <laughs> Wait, why? Go ahead and just read the frosting. Get out? What does that mean? It's a colloquial way of saying you're fired, Kevin, which you are. Since we're in accounting, let's talk about the head of the accounting department, Angela Martin. Now, Angela is often cold and stern with her co-workers, and on the occasion she makes a mistake, she likes to shift the blame and then throw in an insult, too. She's had a constant stream of complaints to the Human Resources Department, and is a little bit sexist and hypocritical. Um, and hypocrites who don't acknowledge their hypocrisy are just the worst. So let's take a look at my notes on Angela. She has a general snippiness about her. She was shitty on the party planning committee, homophobic towards Oscar, remember the hand sanitizer, and then freaked out when Oscar came by her after he came out as gay. She shoots down everyone's suggestion at uh, planning the Christmas party. She ostracized Karen rudely. She tried to get Dwight to cancel the second Christmas party and then hid the karaoke court at that same Christmas party just out of spite. She talks to Phyllis like shit in front of everyone regarding that launch party. She failed to disclose either relationship to human resources. She hammered out a sex contract at work. She had sex at work many, many times. Called social services on Pam for drinking herbal tea out of a mug that once had coffee in it. And maybe the worst is she tried to get someone to murder Oscar and she found out he was sleeping with her husband, and she settled for a kneecapping Harding style. Speaking of, it's not fair. Picture me ugly crying because my ice skate has become untied. And let's do her performance review. For job knowledge, I, Angela got an excellent. Productivity, excellent. Work quality, good. Tech skills, good. Work consistency, excellent. Enthusiasm, poor. Cooperation, poor. Attitude, poor. Initiative, fair. Work relations, poor. Unless you mean some of the men in the office, and then it's good. Snort. Creativity, fair. Punctuality, excellent. Attendance, excellent. Dependability, fair. Communication skills, poor. And her overall rating was a fair. And even though I find her to be one of the worst people in the office, just like everybody else on the office, I wouldn't fire her. I just maybe send her to anger management or mandatory therapy. I like to surprise you guys sometimes. I bet you thought I would fire every single person, but no, not today. Actually, there's one more accountant to do, Oscar Martinez. Now, Dunderpedia has like shit on Oscar, so we might as well just go to my notes and then his performance review. 
Oscar comes in early to set the thermostat at 66 and turns it down when everyone turns it up because he doesn't care. He called in sick when he actually wasn't. He went to the Halloween party um, as a rational consumer, as it were. Actually, the actually is one of them. He sleeps with Angela's husband. And even though he's gay, it's still not cool. He smashed the windows uh, on the car when the dog was in it and then smashed the taillight and then left the dog in the car and taped up the window. He lied to Toby to try and get Kevin fired so he wouldn't tell Angela about the affair. And, like, here's another perfect example. Meredith says, Always with the friends, Oscar. Can't we just enjoy the new espresso machine? And he says, Actually, it's pronounced espresso. Wait, that's what you said. I apologize. I just assumed you would mispronounce it, so... Well, Oscar, that's why I only say presume instead of assume. Because you can go ahead and make an ass out of you, not me. And on to his employee performance review. For job knowledge, excellent. Productivity, good. Work quality, excellent. Technical skills, good. Work consistency, good. Enthusiasm, poor. Cooperation, fair. Attitude, fair. Initiative, poor. Work relations, fair. Creativity, poor. Punctuality and attendance, both good, because who knows. Dependability, good. Communication skills, fair, with an overall rating of good. Because even though I think Oscar is condescending, a little bit elitist and kind of a drag and yet still kind of the worst too also I wouldn't fire him <laughs> I got you guys twice twice in one episode Whoa! you don't have to wait a million years walk a million miles or cry a million tears because we are at Creed Bratton swear guys I really hope you know that was like a grassroots lead in on my part because I need you to be part of these inside jokes okay and if you're not I'm just gonna be so sad I'm gonna have to kick you out of the chatterers club <laughs> I'm just kidding I would never ever come up with a ridiculous name for you guys because you're just you're you're my buds and you're my pals you're my friends. Anyway, back to Creed. Creed is a deviant former hippie and homeless man employed as the quality assurance manager. Creed is a mysterious figure who is prone to making bizarre or confusing statements. He is never shown doing any actual work. When talking about his personal life, much of what he says is either unsettling or downright disturbing, sometimes even describing violent crimes he claims to have committed or plans to commit. He is extremely dishonest with details emerging of his many scams, including faking his own death. These are not my words. These are genderpedias. Now, specifically the things that I found that made him... The worst was not only the things I just said, but also 
sprouting mung beans in his desk that smelled like death, ogling Pam's boobs at her desk after the fashion show. When he heard the branch might be closing, he sold some of the computers from the office. He took pics of his co-worker's left breast and made it a screensaver. And speaking of computers, he was always playing solitaire. For some reason, he had that weird assortment of mop handles fashioned into stakes at his desk. There was that huge stack of customer complaints. And last but not least, he stole Phyllis's ring. So here we go with Creed's performance review. Um, for job knowledge, I wrote poor. Remember quality assurance? Productivity, poor. Work quality, poor. Technical skills, poor. Work consistency, poor. Enthusiasm, poor. Cooperation, fair. Attitude, fair. Initiative, poor. Work relations, poor. Creativity, poor. Although excellent in his real life. Punctuality, good. Attendance, poor. Remember the work bus up episode? Dependability, poor. Communication skills, poor. And in overall, poor. And for opportunities for development, maybe at another job because I can't get a read on him. And I think the Dunderpedia description of Creed is just enough to make him the worst. I mean, fuck the word hippie alone, right? Well, it seems completely apropos that we talk about Creed's desk clump mate, Meredith Palmer. Meredith is kind of a minor character and Dunderpedia writes that she has an alcohol problem that affects her job performance. They also write that she's sexually promiscuous and hints at kinky sexual interest. Mainly threesomes. And there's a running joke that she always winds up shirtless. And while Meredith isn't one of the best of the worst, she's still a terrible employee, PhD or no PhD. And let's see why. She passed out at her desk on Valentine's Day, ate hand sanitizer, wanted Jim to sign her crotch cast. You know how hard it was for me to say crotch. Played ping pong at work, slept with a vendor for discounts and free Outback steak gift certificates, got plastered and set her hair on fire at the Moroccan Christmas party, wore no bra or underwear, and an inappropriate romper on Casual Friday. She's constantly playing solitaire at work, sleeping on the job. She's flashed her boobs numerous times, and she squirted the remainder of Stanley's bowl tranquilizer into her coffee. Now, if that's not enough, we also have her performance review. For job knowledge, excellent. Productivity, poor. Work quality, good, when she's not asleep. Technical skills, fair. Work consistency, fair. Enthusiasm, poor. Cooperation, fair. Attitude, fair. Initiative, good. I mean, I wouldn't sleep with somebody to help the place I worked at, but I might for Outback State gift certificates. Have you ever had sirloin steak, honey? Honey, that's why I said what I said. 
Work relations, poor. Creativity, poor. Punctuality, good. Attendance, good. Dependability, poor. Communication skills, good. With an overall rating of fair. But would I fire Meredith? You know it. For the minivan alone. We've now come to the second redhead in the office. And let me tell you, the odds of that happening in an office that small are about the same as the odds of Harry and Meghan having two redheaded kids. Okay, that small. But welcome to Aaron Hannon. Now, this is according to Dunderpedia, not me. They write, Erin is at times rather intellectually challenged. With her cheerful, silly, childlike, and naive demeanor, Erin is the most consistently nice, optimistic Dunder Mifflin employee. Erin does have a darker side, being fiercely competitive and having a somewhat violent fighting drive that developed during her time in the orphanage. And blah, blah. And then she also tells Michael she worked at a Taco Bell Express, but couldn't keep up when they made it into a regular Taco Bell. I've never even heard of a Taco Bell Express. Do you think they made that up? I don't know. Anyway, and I think it's that intellectually challenged bit that gets to me and makes her one of the worst. And the worst part about that is she's not even like one of the best of the worst or one of the worst of the worst. It's just, ugh. Michael was astute enough to call her a rube, and I just like couldn't agree more. Because here's my notes. They read as follows. Like Sandy, dated Gabe, Flipped out and screamed in through stuff at Robert California and Nelly. And that's it. That is it. It's the superfluousness. Oh my god, am I getting dumber talking about her? Of her character that I can't abide, I suppose. And thereby clouding my judgment on her employee performance review. Here we go. For job knowledge, I wrote poor. Productivity, fair. Work quality, fair. Technical skills, fair. I mean, she was able to create a fake Facebook profile with Pete. Work consistency, fair. Enthusiasm, excellent. Cooperation, excellent. Attitude, excellent. Initiative, poor. Work relations, good. Creativity, fair and these are just guesses okay punctuality i put good attendance good dependability poor communication skills good and she got an overall rating of fair but i'm recommending firing because just no i don't think anybody of like average to above average intelligence should be subjected to that it's it's mercy it's mercy firing i do have a caveat she has one of the best lines. Like, oh, it's so fucking brilliant. I hope you all remember this. Quick setup. She's taking pictures and throws the camera in the trash and says, oh, All done. Disposable cameras are fun, although it does seem wasteful and you don't ever get to see your pictures. If it's an important event that you want to remember, I recommend using a real camera, but... I don't care if I forget today. <laughs> it's, it's so good. Oh, I almost want to keep her, but unfortunately, when it comes to business, I'm just a ruthless bitch. I saved the absolute worst for last. 
Andy Bernard, one of the worst characters in all of the sitcom world. And this can be tough for me to get through because I hate so much about him. Dunderpedia writes that his character is insecure seemingly due to a strained relationship with his parents, yet demonstrates self-centered and arrogant attitudes. Andy also demonstrates a sycophantic attitude towards his superiors as well as severe anger management issues. Well, I say he's a fucking psychopath, and let's see how I came to that conclusion. Right off the bat, Andy shows his psycho nature. He's screaming about the calculator in Jell-O. I need to know who put my calculator in Jell-O or I'm going to lose my frigging mind. And then kicks that trash can. Jesus. He plays video games while he's at work. He stole the computer when the Stanford branch closed down. He was deliberately mirroring Michael and provoking Dwight to anger to marginalize him. Those were his words. Him saying, I am now chopping off Phyllis's head with a chainsaw. That root did you do dee do. I mean, kill me, please. He blew that one sale with Michael. He went into Dwight's desk, took his keys, went through his car, found the receipt, and planted the seeds of doubt in Michael's head. And was thrilled when he had Dwight quit. He's distracting with his random singing constantly. Season 3, episode 14 is a perfect example. He's singing, he's up Michael's ass, he screams and punches a hole in the wall. He was supposed to be in anger management for 10 weeks, but came back after 5 by using mirroring. He was dating a high schooler, and then when he realized it, he freaked out and blew a sail. He was blasting Dwight's air horn in the office, checking out Angela's ass in front of everybody, and then explicit about it to Pam, and then with Jim and Dwight. He lost his shit when Dwight wore that Cornell sweatshirt. He pins Dwight against the fence with his car. He pretends to like soccer just to impress Charles Minor. The whole parkour thing. The baby talk, which is ridiculous. And the whole English accent thing. He hid behind plants in college and in the office to spy. He tried to wrestle the pencil out of Daryl's hand. He left work with Michael to see Donna's husband. He interrupted the whole entire office to promote Sweeney Todd. What about his weird sex ed talk? He sung Closing Time a hundred and five times. He took half the staff to Gettysburg, and I still don't know why. He didn't tell Aaron about Angela. He just takes off for Florida, then when he gets back, he loses his shit, throws and smashes stuff, quits, and then writes a crazy rock opera. He then gets David Wallace to buy Dunder Mifflin in order to screw over Robert California. His whole treatment of Nellie. Remember when he pushed her so rudely off the slack line? Um, he then takes off again to go to the Bahamas, but makes it seem like he's in the office to David Wallace. And when he returns, well, this is where you really see his psycho come out. And I'm convinced he's a psychopath, but we'll get to that in a minute. He stole, in my opinion, three months worth of paychecks and that bonus check. Because I'm sorry, if you don't work, you don't get paid. He calls the people in the office loafers after they come back from their Valentine's Day outing. The 
Zero self-awareness is astounding and frightening at the same time. He blew the White Pages account. That, I, I never lied to you. Really? Hey, David? All is good in Scranton, PA. And all was good in Scranton, PA. That By the way, Oscar says hi. Oscar says hi all the time. He says all kinds of greetings. Hi, hello, hola. You're telling me you've never heard Oscar say hi, Andy? But you're calling me a liar. Andy, by the way, that reminds me. I want to ask you about some of the lies you've been telling Watch me Watch it, Andy. Oh, here we go. January 7th, 2013. Hey, Andy, all's well. Been meaning to make it down there, but my wife's sick. Well, which is it? Is all well or is your wife sick? Busted! My wife? This has been really tough time yeah yeah has it aaron just dumped me and i can't remember any of the aha moments i had on the boat and i know it sounds weird to say but i really miss my beard did that shit give you the heebie-jeebies because it should have his inappropriate behavior after aaron broke up with him he looks at her phone and then tries to fire pete after he discovers that he's dating aaron and he blames everyone in the office for his hurt he hires Pete's ex and Aaron's ex, you know, Gabe, to get back at them. After the promos appear for the documentary, he becomes obsessed with what people are saying about him online. And he hopes for stardom, and he then he pays even less attention to his job. He's calling a talent agent while he's at work. He's practicing lines while he's at work. He talks about wearing makeup for acting roles and then wearing makeup to work. And then he gave David Wallace the double bird, said fuck you, and took a shit on David's car. And if all of that's not enough to convince you that Andy is a fucking psychopath, let's just go through this quick list that I made. So, walls punched, two. Chairs kicked, one. One while Toby was sitting in it. Things thrown, a chair, a pitcher, pizza at the wall, trash cans kicked, two, the inappropriate singing. He attended anger management twice. He's a terrible salesman. He suggested that Aaron pretend to love him so that he feels good. His dating advice to Kevin, you can't let a girl feel good about herself. He says his exact age, age range is 28 to 34. And he wears lifts in his shoes for his Andy Bernard character. And one of my favorite horrifying things that he says is, If you say anything, so help me God, I'll break off the temple of your glasses and shove them in your eye sockets. Now, that should be enough. But if it's not, let's just read a few things that are like a determination on whether somebody's a psycho or not. So this is 11 signs that you're dating a psychopath. I'll put the link in. Um, but it could very easily be 11 signs your coworker is a psychopath. Number one, arrogance. They show little regard for others. Some experts believe that this behavior may be due to their upbringing when they had to make sense of being mistreated. They are famous for having a desire to talk endlessly about their accomplishments with no patience to listen to others. Number two, manipulation. A psycho often has a master plan and will go to extremes to make it happen. Number three, 
irresponsible behavior. Psychos are not known for being responsible as they often believe they have far more important and self-serving activities to be engaged in. Number four, they lack empathy. They place blame and refuse to admit to any wrongdoing. Number five, emotionally disconnected. Number six, disregard for the rules. Number seven, promiscuity, which is not really Andy's problem as he lacks any kind of sexual charisma. Number eight, lying. Number nine, fake charm. Number 10, impulsive behavior. And number 11, easily bored. Shit, you know what, guys? That list could very well double for Andy's performance review, but let's go through it real quick. I bet you we can get it done in like two minutes. Job knowledge, fair. Productivity, poor. Work quality, poor. Technical skills, fair. Work consistency, poor. Enthusiasm, good. Cooperation, fair. Attitude, fair. Initiative, poor. Work relations, poor. Creativity, fair. Punctuality, poor. Attendance, poor. Dependability, poor. Communication skills, poor. With an overall rating of poor. And my only recommendation would be a straight up involuntary commitment because this motherfucker is fucking crazy and dangerous. Hmm. Okay. So what seems like 9,986,000 minutes of watching the show and then another 9,986,000 minutes recording, I would be remiss if I didn't at least share with you my inspiration for why I wanted to even do this episode. And it was because I had seen the show so many times that I have seen my opinions of the characters change. I mean, you know, like how some people think that Michael is the protagonist or maybe Jim or Pam. When I was first watching it, I never really saw a protagonist. And I certainly never saw Dwight as the protagonist until now. I mean, while he has very antagonistic characteristics and he did make the worst list, I can't help but notice a few things that kind of make me feel now that he is actually like the best character. And so I just listed these things, how I did Andy with the real psycho shit that he pulled. So while Dwight was raised on a farm with this sort of German, Pennsylvania, Dutch heritage, he seems to be like the most worldly and successful of his kin. He sold more than the Dunder Mifflin Infinity website on the first day. He's been the top salesman several times. He's frugal. He watered the plants and rearranged Michael's desk toys for him. He quit to protect Angela from getting in trouble. He let Pam win the office fight because he overheard her talking to Jim about not wanting to fail again. He saved Oscar from getting kneecapped. He has at least $30,000 buried. He went from a 60-acre to a 960-acre beet farm. He owns a commercial building and a vintage car, a 1978 280Z. He's a black belt. He also sort of bagged the most chicks. I mean, he got Angela, Esther, Isabel, and then that chick from the basketball team. He was a volunteer deputy sheriff, now resigned. He tried to work through appendicitis. 
That's how dedicated he was. And in the end, he got his manager's job and his girl. Perfect in schlag. <laughs> we did it, guys. We made it through another episode of chatting tonight. And I want to give you a sincere thanks for suffering through such a long podcast with me. I really do appreciate it. And I promise you next time, I will make it short and sweet, just like me.